1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds.
2: The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers,
3: Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. Little able to win the faceoff, but of Cassian, a steal, walks in, back door, score! Jujar Kera set up by Cassian off the rush, and just like that, the Oilers lead it 2-1. Two, two goals in a span of 13 seconds. Quick strikes by the Oilers early in the second period. They recover from a slow start to the game and they beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-1. U.C. Jokinen three points, a goal and two assists. Nugent Hopkins gets three assists tonight and Kyler Yamamoto scores for the second straight preseason game as the Oilers go to 3-0 in the exhibition season. It's 8.57. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. A lot of Positive performances by Oilers players tonight who are trying to establish themselves in the organization, work their way up into the organization. You can call 780 496 0063. You can text 630 630. Well, Rob, the Jets dressed their eight leading scorers from last season, the Oilers dressed two of their eight leading scorers from last season, yet it's the Oilers walking out with a three-goal victory.
4: Yeah, I, I think what you like about this game was the work ethic that the Oilers brought. Uh, you know, the, they were a little slow out of the gates. The Winnipeg Jets came at them pretty strong. Some breaks uh, with post, but, but Bressois making some saves when he needed to, and the Oilers just stuck with it. And I think that I know that you talked about it a lot last year, Tom McClellan's words about staying in the game. And I think that's what we saw tonight. The Oilers just hung around. They they got through that first period, weathered the storm, came out better in the second period, a couple breaks here and there. And uh, as the game went on, they were the better team. And that's not what we would have expected when you look at the two lineups. But as Bob and I were just talking on air, the Oilers have depth now. If the Oilers would have sent uh, a team like this three, four, five, six years ago, you're probably thinking, okay, it'd be a 6-2 Winnipeg win, but the others got players now that aren't going to be in the lineup this year, that are going to push for spots because they're that much deeper than they've been in the past.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, you anyway, it's game three of the preseason, but it, it looked it was it was a mature game by the Oilers. It was it was a controlled game, I, I thought, and you wonder too. Todd McClellan and his coaching staff came in. This is their third preseason game. They they wanted to set standards and they wanted to have. You know, s- systems and beliefs that the team held, regardless of the time of year and regardless of the type of game, the very first thing he hammered home publicly into the team was don't fold your hand, don't fold your hand. And it-, it took a while for that really to kick in. But now I think you see it's just part of the team's makeup, whether it's game three of the preseason or game six against Anaheim last fall where they have to win to stay alive.
4: Well, I, I think, Last spring, sorry. Yes, I, I think the experience that they've had, by sticking in games, by hanging around and then finding some success at times has instilled a belief in this group that, you know what, we're good enough to come back and and win hockey games. And there's also a belief that this isn't a one-man team. Everyone on this team knows how good Connor is and and, and how strong a player Leon is, but they also feel that they're capable players of winning themselves. I mean, a Mark Letest who's already talking about that last year is not going to define his career. He's going to have another career year. And Cassian believes that he can play uh, anywhere in the lineup. And Nugent Hopkins doesn't believe that his best years are gone behind him. Jokinen's coming in, he's already talked about the fact that he wants to be a power play and penalty killing guy here. So there's, there's belief amongst these players that they can win and, and compete with the best in the National Hockey League. And tonight it was just an exhibition game. And I'm sure the Winnipeg Jets' top players, that wasn't the best that they have. And, and we've seen Shifley and, and, and Liney and those guys play much better. But the Oilers came in and outworked them. And if you outwork another hockey club, you've got a good chance at the end of the night being in the game and winning a
3: game. 4-1 is your final in favor of the Edmonton Oilers. A lot of storylines to get to. Uh, there were nine power plays total. Rob and I want to get into that a little bit later on. I, I think we got to bring up Kyler Yamamoto tonight. He had a goal called back. In the second period, it was ruled to be kicked in. There was no video review in this game. Not every preseason game has video review, has the coach's challenge. We thought it should have counted. Okay, whatever. Jokinen got one that Rob and I thought probably should have counted. We shouldn't have counted also off the skate, but, you know, preseason, we're not going to spend too much time arguing those calls. But Yamamoto gets the empty net goal with 5.1 seconds left, so he does get a goal for the second straight game. And you, I watched him tonight, and you talk about even if you're not going to score, can you make an impact on the game? Can you check? Can you, can you be in the right place at the right time? Can you keep plays alive? I'd have to give him a passing grade in, in those areas.
4: Oh, and a much better, better than just a, an average passing grade. He was good. Uh, he, he's very tenacious. He's, he's a very good four-checker. He knows how to get his stick in the right areas. We saw in highlights the goal that he scored the other night in Calgary. was He picked off a pass coming through the, the slot in, in Calgary. Tonight, a number of times, players think they've got him beat, and somehow a player of his stature is able to have the strength to, to stop a puck with just one hand on his stick he turns things over in his own zone he he just there's a tenacity about him where he just doesn't leave you alone just keeps dogging you on and on and finally you just panic and throw the puck away so that is is a bonus because what you think when you're getting him is a strong offensive player because that's what his credentials are so having this these good details this good work ethic this good uh, defensive zone coverage is something that puts him further ahead than most young skilled players because Frankly, when you're a skilled player in junior, especially a really strong one, you're really not working on the defensive side of the game often because you don't have to.
3: 99 points in 65 games last year for Spokane. Clearly had the puck a lot yes. and, did, and did a lot with it. He won't have the puck that much you know, in his NHL career even if he becomes a high-end player because that's just how the game is these days. It, 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 you know, it, it will preface everything automatically with it, it's the preseason. But you'd sooner have a guy stand out than not. If you look at how Yessi Puljuhary played, you know, Monday against Calgary, didn't have a great night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the thing about Yamo look he's he's five foot eight, he's he's one fifty four, cu- cu- according to the official listing the Oilers put out. It, you know I Bob Bob has a great line that he uses and and I, and I think it's it's true if you're a big guy you have to prove you can't play if you're a little guy you have to prove you can I mean size in hockey in pro sports in all pick, sports pick yeah. the sport is 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 going to be a factor and get a guy looked at so if you're smaller and you want to survive then a-Rob, you made a great point last year when somebody called in, or I think it was two years ago when the Flames might have blew out the Oilers in a game. Somebody said, well, why don't they just run Goudreau? <laughs> and you made the point, well, if, if you were little and you were that easy to hit, your career would have ended... Ended long ago to play at the high level, so we'll see how Yamamoto mm-hmm. does that if he wants. Whenever it is that he gets into the league and he faces six good NHL defensemen uh, every night, but you, you mentioned it—the the tenacity on the puck—and that's what Peter Shirelli mentioned when he was drafted. You know, he doesn't—he doesn't play small. He doesn't hide out on the perimeter and say, "Well, I'll just stand in the slot and hope someone gives me a perfect pass and he'll shoot it." He wants to compete. McClellan talks about getting over top of the puck, getting your hips over top of the puck, getting inside the other guy's equipment, you know, again, early on, but he's proven a willingness to do that.
4: Yeah, and he's come in here with a lot of pressure. Uh, he was a first-round draft pick. There was a lot of talk about his size, and he simply came in and played. And I, I've liked what I've seen. What I, I really like in the National Hockey League nowadays, when, when I was drafted and for a long, long time after, first thing they looked at was your size, and then they looked at your skating, and then they looked at some skill. And far down on the list, they looked at your hockey IQ. There was a lot of dumb hockey players drafted. And you can go through <laughs> the drafts of a lot of different teams and see the players that were drafted. And, oh, look at this kid. Is, look how big he is and how skilled he is. But when you, he, he looked good in practice, but in a game, he'd run through the end boards because he didn't know when to turn because he was dumb. And now you're starting to see a lot of these um, kids coming into the National Hockey League with very good hockey IQs. And they come in and they know where to be on the ice. They know when they can dump the puck and they know when they can make the pass. They know how not to get hit because they never put themselves in that position. And Yamamoto is one of those players. He is very, very intelligent. And you can see by where he goes on the ice, when someone's got the puck, he knows where to be in the right place defensively. And he knows where to be the right place offensively. And I think when you put him with skilled players, and Nugent Hopkins, very skilled player, you can see how they move the puck around, how they know to where, where always the, the, they can anticipate. And I thought the line tonight with Yamamoto, uh, Yokin and nugent Hopkins was excellent. And it wasn't excellent against a third or fourth or fifth or seventh line Winnipeg Jet team. This was against the best Winnipeg has up front. And that line was a terrific line tonight. All three of them played very well. I mean,
3: they had five defensemen that are likely going to be on their team playing tonight for the Jets. So, yeah, that was a good showing. We'll get to the phone calls right away. We should discuss the Oilers' right wing with still more preseason games to come. Strome has already gotten a look with Nugent Hopkins and Maroon. Kajula's been with Lucic and Dreisaitl. Cassian, I mean, I think that there's a potential for Cassie and and Kara to be a pretty effective mm-hmm. fourth line and kill some penalties and check. And Slepeshev is injured right now, not, not long-term. He may even get into some preseason games. We'll see as we move along. Yes Puglia-Yarvi. Puglia I, I, I mean, look, Yamamoto has looked better than puglia Yarvi ever has. Again, extremely small sample size for both players. Jack and Bob touched on it. I mean, could could Yamamoto get, get the nine-game audition before you have to commit to him? And even if, okay, he's he's wearing down, he can't quite do it yet, it's not the end of the world if that with that player, you know, if, if Slepeshev and the other guys I mentioned are, are all healthy and around on the right side, and Puli Yarvi could go to the AHL.
4: Well, I mean, we're still early in, in the preseason, but I think what we've seen with Todd McClellan, what we see with Peter Shirelli is... They're taking the the players that deserve to be here. They're not looking at contracts. We've we've seen big contracts buried in the minors over the last number of years here in Edmonton. So if a player deserves to be here, he's going to be here. Um, I, I think sometimes the message is sent. I mean, PRV... Did not play well in his first game. But he's going to have an opportunity to play. I'm yep. guessing three more at least, maybe four, maybe five. Oh, he I might play them all.
3: Th- th- yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, there's, if there's a guy who might play the remaining preseason games, it would be pulled the yeah. RV. If anybody on the team's going to do it.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, and because he needs to prove that he can play yep. at this level. And so far he hasn't. Now, again, we are one year and one week into his National Hockey League career, so there's no panic yet. But there's also, every, every year, this is what I learned when I played, Every year that you come to camp and don't put in your best and you go down to the minors. Well, over the course of that year, there's a whole new draft yeah. class that comes in that are now going to be pushing you. So now if it's two years, there's two draft classes that are coming in and are going to push you. So you've got to set the tone early. You've got to prove that you belong and force those guys to beat you out. Don't just let them. And right now, we've seen some players come in and play very well, and I don't know if I expected Yossi Jokinen Jokinen to be as good as he was tonight. I thought he was excellent, and another guy trying to solidify a a spot, not only in the lineup, but as he said, on the power play, which he looked good at, and penalty killing.
3: Good all-round player, a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades I think I saw a tweet. We'll probably get the post game later. A uh, left shot, Latessus, possibly. But <laughs> there be nothing wrong with that. Oilers win four-one over the Jets. Seven-eight-zero-four-nine-six-zero-zero-six-three.
1: We'll start with Jared tonight. Jared, welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. I just got a, a comment and a question. The questions for Rob. I agree with uh, Rob's comment on that. There's a lot of guys in the past that have been drafted in the NHL, and when you watch them in the games. You, you actually wonder how they were drafted that high. <laughs> uh, Public's perception is, is that all the NHL guys are smart and good, but that's not true. And I, it's nice to see that this Kyler Yamamoto has been given a chance. And that's my question, Rob, is Kyler Yamamoto had big numbers in the Western Hockey League last year, correct? was yep. he averaging about two points a game? 99.65 uh, so, so games. So he can't go to the minor leagues. No. And right. would another year in the Western Hockey League really benefit him? And then you say, well, yeah, because he could build up his size and strength. Play World if, Junior. If you played him in NHL 35, 40 games, and he was shielded with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, they would do the heavy lifting, he would actually probably have a better chance to develop physically, gain some strength and mass. But at what point do you say, we should send him back to junior He's already dominating juniors. Like, What does he have to prove at that level skill-wise? He only has to get bigger and stronger. He's probably got a better chance of doing that in the NHL than riding the bus in the WHL.
4: The, the problem for, for, for Edmonton is they've tried the opposite here before. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, whose best year was probably his rookie season and has never gotten back to that. Could he have been better if he went back and played another year in junior and strengthened and got bigger and stronger and became more dominant? I mean, 99 points in 65 games is good. It's not world class. So he could go down there. He can improve on things. He can go to the world juniors, play at that level. You don't want him to come up here and play just 30 games. You just don't. That's just that's a waste. We saw Leon Drysaddle when he was up here, started the season here a few years ago, wasn't playing a whole lot, wasn't getting a lot of minutes. They sent him back to junior, and he goes and, and leads his team to the Memorial Cup Finals. Yeah, well, the arveys even a better example, because yep. he was
3: here. I mean, Leon was still a regular. I mean, yes, he last year some sometimes would play seven, seven shifts, minutes, yeah, And people would be like, well, what do you think of him? are like, well, we didn't even... <laughs> like, you couldn't even tell. He wasn't on the ice enough. But... But, you know, you're a guy who got 212 points in the Western Hockey League. 99 still good these days.
4: Like, Don't, no, just, it is, it's, don't yeah. just say a guy has to get 200 to be a star, Rob. 212. But anyways, <laughs> no, he doesn't. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that no, he, I, he could still improve in, the, in, in junior. Now, I don't know which way they're going to go with him. But I think the Oilers now are learning to err on the side of caution. They are good enough that they don't need to force a young kid to come in and play when he's not completely there. This isn't the Oilers of old where they need to, to spark the fans, to spark the organization because they're lingering at the bottom of the standings. With or without Yamamoto in the lineup, this is going to be a very good hockey club. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking long-term with Yamamoto, what is best for him? It's not what's best for the Edmonton Oilers now. It's what is best for him, and that'll be the decision well, that they make. Well, that'll
3: turn out to be what's best for the Oilers. Yes.
4: Right. But, but, it's, but it's, it's intriguing
3: that we're, we're talking about them. And that he's shown that well yep. already. And then that's what, I mean, coaches, Todd already said it this summer, every coach I've interviewed, Rob, from high school to pro, you know, you say, well, you're going to pick your team. He goes, well, I don't pick the team. The players decide whether or not they're on the team. And you're like, okay. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's, if Yamamoto keeps showing like that, he gives McClellan and Shirelli no choice. Like, if he's, mm-hmm. if he's legitimately playing like one of the four best right wingers, then he... Then that, then that cliche is true. He's decided he's sticking around because he's outplaying other guys. So it will be fun to watch. I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if he plays both games Friday, Saturday. Yeah. I mean, why not see how he handles the back-to-back against NHL opponents? Again, we don't know who Vancouver and Winnipeg are going to go with, but still, three
4: and four nights... You know, a little more. It's going to be better than the junior players he played against last yeah. year, whatever so team not, they throw so Why then? not give him a try?
3: I agree. Yeah, there's nothing to lose at this time of year. Oilers win at four-one over the Jets. We have Tony on the line seven-eight-zero-four-nine-six-zero-zero-six-three. Hey, Tony. How
5: you guys doing tonight? Doing great. So I was listening to Oilers, and I think it was yesterday, and they said that basically for the Oilers, we basically have most of our players picked basically because of last season. Well, there is a well. There are a few roster spots open, like Fletishev, um, a few others I can't think of at the moment.
3: Well, Depth D, um, 678D for sure, yeah.
5: And also Sekiro is out, too, until the new year, from what I've been hearing. Um, people were underestimating us last season because of the date of the decade of darkness. Do you guys think that we even have a chance of clinching a division title, or is that still up in the air because of the fact that most of our players are still relatively young
4: and you, I don't think it's based on the age of the players or, or I don't think you can predict what's going to happen over the next 7 months, 6 months, whatever it takes to win a division because so many variables come into place and the big one being injuries if the Oilers stay completely healthy all the way through the season, and their best players stay completely healthy, like they were for most of last year, then they have as good a chance as anyone to win this division. But just like any team in the National Hockey League, if they have any extended injuries to their better players, well, now they're going to be, I think, the Oilers have the depth to be a good enough team to make the playoffs. But then the division title becomes... Uh, a much harder proposition for them to get. So I, I think that if all the teams are healthy and nobody has injuries the whole season, then the Oilers have as good a chance as anyone to win the division. But predicting what their health is going to be like throughout the year, I think, is just too hard.
6: I
3: think, you know, injuries are a wild card, and I just think the fact that they become a team that other teams are going to get up for. They're going to game plan more. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't you want to be the defenseman that On a team that Connor McDavid didn't get a point against, he comes in on an eight-game point streak, and you keep him off the board. Yeah, you know, Uh, wouldn't you want to be the guy that uh, body checked Milan Lucic before he got to you, or whatever? Right? There's all that. I
4: agree, and and also the fact that a lot of the Oiler players had career years last year, so you're going to need them to have career years again if they're going to win a division.
3: No settle McDavid are pretty early in their true, career. True, so. still but, career, but, but know, a will test you, Maroon. Yeah. Maroon. Yeah. And I guess you can include
4: Talbot too. Yeah. Again, well, again, he never he, really, that never really
3: written that role before, so so you're expected. It.
4: And it was a pretty, and he had a pretty good, like he, he was, had a Vesna worthy type of. season. I he was season. in the top five in yeah. the voting. So, yeah. so he has to do it again.
3: Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got Dennis on the line. Hey, Dennis.
6: Hi. How are you? Doing great.
4: Good. Uh, is there any rule
6: that the Alamo has to? Play the first part of the year. Can, can he come up at the end of the year? Like if they're say Spokane's out of the uh,
3: playoffs. Okay. They, well, there's there's the can nine. He play
5: his nine games at the end of the year.
3: Yes, and and the, the reason we use nine games is because as you probably know, if he plays ten, then the first year of his entry level contract kicks in. So that's right. why you get the nine for free. Right. Um, the one rule at the end of the year is if his in a if his WHL team is out. Right, he can go to the AHL. Otherwise, he's too a year too young to play in the AHL. Oh, Does that make I see. sense, Rob? Okay. You know yep. what I'm talking about, yeah.
4: But he right. can come up and play in the NHL, though, at the end of the WHL season. Can he not? If he hasn't used his nine games. Out. But
3: I think he'd still be subject to. Well, here's the thing: he can play.
4: 12 games but you'd burn his first year of yeah, DLC. but just the whole nine games like if the season ended in oh you can Spokane. count the
3: yeah. nine yeah that's what's. Yeah. Uh, the I nine, think that's what he wanted to can, know yeah he could play the nine is anywhere along yeah. the timeline yeah yes it doesn't have to be at the beginning Dennis is that what that's what you
6: yes yeah, yeah. I was wondering if, if it was, um, he had to play at the beginning of the year or he could
4: they could bring him up for nine at the end yeah, I, I think it's anywhere in the season you come oh. up and play. Yeah.
3: Thanks, Dennis. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have some uh, interviews here, Kellen. Let's go to some tape right now. We got just in from Winnipeg. Thanks to EdmontonOilers.com. Here is Oilers head coach, Todd McClellan.
2: So
7: what did you like out there from part of it?
2: Well, I like the overall um, effort from our group. Um when you play these types of games, there's some tough circumstances when you fly in an hour before you play. And I thought we got off to a slow start, but we responded and uh, thought we had real good leadership tonight. Jokinen, y- uh Nuge, Gribes, those type of guys stepped up when it would have been easy for them to... Uh, to take the easy route, they played hard and everybody followed, so I was happy with that. You
7: didn't have, you know, Connor, or Leon, or Lucic on the first power play. We just scored two goals.
2: Yeah, and we still have some pretty smart players out there with uh, Jokin and Nuge, test. They uh, they moved the puck around quite well and they found holes to uh, to finish off. So, um, you know, that was good. I thought our penalty kill after the first one did a real good job. And um, you know, for this time of the year, to 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 have those types of results, we have to be. Somewhat pleased, but we still got a long way to go.
7: Would you like who was not an nhl
2: <clears throat> Well, I thought both goaltenders. Not that they're not in a, And all these guys are NHLs. Last, I'm talking last year, so. Yeah, well, both goaltenders played well. Um, and they needed to, especially early in the game. LB, a couple posts early, but then he settled in. And I thought Nick Ellis went in and played well. <coughs> There's... Uh, you know, there's a number of other guys that uh, that found ways to contribute in a team win. It's uh, it's too early to mention individuals. We'll sit and talk and evaluate, and um, by tomorrow morning, we'll have a pretty good idea of, of who we uh, would like to keep around and see again and, and uh, who would like to get down to the minors so they can get working on their games there. Do
7: you want to be down to the low 40s like most of these teams are now? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll
2: practice tomorrow, and then we'll make some decisions on uh, a large group of players. Uh, make some reassignments, whether that's to junior or uh, or to uh, the American League, and uh, we'll get down to a more workable number. Yet we have a, a number of games, back-to-back games coming up. We'll need enough players to play that.
6: Are you starting to see the
3: organizational depth that's been built here over the last two years since you came in?
2: Well, I, I think it exists. It's pretty evident that uh, we have some players that are hungry and, and – um, and the, the the shelves are a little bit deeper than they were before uh, particularly with our team but uh, the minor league team's getting a lot stronger as well so um, it's a little more reassuring I think than it was uh, a couple years ago but um, that's cyclical you find players um, you know over the summer that you uh, you sign and, and they tend up sometimes they they tend to be a little better than you thought and sometimes it works the other way.
7: What do you like about yolk? Your-
2: Smart, smart, simple as that. He's uh, he knows he knows who he is. He knows how to play with his skill set, and he's positionally sound. Um, he's not going to win the Kentucky Derby by any means, but he is. Uh, he's going to be in the race somehow. He'll find a way to be in the race. So, uh, a very intelligent player.
3: That's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. His team winning 4-1 tonight over the Winnipeg Jets. Jokin in a goal and two assists. Nugent Hopkins, three assists. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We're on 630 Ched, the home of the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton Eskimos. And I do want to take a minute to talk about a big story for the Green and Gold tonight. Even though they're on their bye week, General Manager Brock Sunderland busy bringing defensive back Aaron Grimes back to town spent the last year and a half trying to stick in the NFL mostly with the Philadelphia Eagles so twice in a month the Eskimos get an important player back from down south first Darrell Walker and now Aaron Grimes and we're going to be joined here live by the Eskimos general manager Brock Sunderland. Brock you're on with Reed thanks a lot for making time for us tonight how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, doing very well. Obviously, this uh, news uh, was confirmed by you guys during the hockey game, so I appreciate you making time for us. Uh, you know, it's funny, because you and I spoke about a month ago about the possibility of players, and you kind of explained uh, the process, though we didn't uh, talk about anybody specifically. Uh, can you give us a sense of when things really heated up with Aaron Grimes, and, uh, and uh, just how this progressed recently?
6: Well, it heated up probably the last four or five days. I was in touch with both him and his agent. Uh, around the same time, I first made contact with Darrell, and they were, you know, there were there was some NFL interest with him, and I think there still is. And they wanted to wait and see what those potential opportunities were, and so we were patient and just said, "Look, you know our number, you know where we're at." Uh, obviously, familiar with Edmonton, the team, the organization, all the guys in the locker room. So we didn't press too hard. I know a lot of other CFL teams were we're calling them non-stop and and uh, a, a key component in this whole thing was tory hunter he deserves a lot of credit because he's our northwest scout and he recruited aaron to the university of idaho so they have a very close relationship so tory was in contact with him quite a bit i was in con- touch with him and his agent probably three or four times a week and um about maybe three days ago aaron got in touch with tory and just said hey i think i'm ready to make a commitment here and, and then i got in touch with both aaron and his agent and we started talking dollars and cents and we got it done today officially
3: uh can you can you are you able to tell us how long the contract is for
6: yeah it's for the balance of the season you know having the opportunity at the end of the year to potentially have nfl opportunities was very important to him so i think whether it was with us or any of the other cfl teams that was going to be what it was for him so it'll be for this year and then if, if for some reason the nfl does not work out for him after the year then we'll we'll discuss again for moving forward in the next couple of years here in edmonton for him
3: Right on, Brock Sunderland, Eskimos general manager, joining us tonight to talk about the signing of Aaron Grimes. He was a excellent defensive back for the Eskimos for three seasons, CFL All Star, and Grey Cup champion in 2015. How does his addition change your
6: secondary, Brock? Well, adds talent right away, and with you know we've had six defensive backs in the sixth game injured in the past month, month and a half. So it brings depth, it brings talent, it brings a guy that was an All Star in 2015. And he can play any of the positions in the in the secondary from both corners, both halves. He can play uh, sand linebacker, and nickel here for us, and he can also play free safety. So um, it, it brings a lot right away.
3: Are, are there any concerns about? And I know he's been working hard and playing preseason games. Uh, is there any concern about rust or an adjustment in your mind? Roster adjustments. Is there any concern about rust? On him, or just the adjustments he's going to have to make to the Canadian game?
6: No, because he was playing in the NFL. He went through a whole training camp, and he played in all the preseason games. So it's not like he's been sitting out there for three months. I mean, he was playing this month even, the last preseason games in the NFL. So he's fine. He's ready to go, and he's a true professional. I know he's a straight shooter, and I think if he felt like he wasn't capable of the task, he would let us know that.
3: Right on. Brock, thanks for joining us uh, tonight uh, and for coming on the uh, the Oilers uh, Overtime Open Line show. Look forward to you guys getting back to work and your game against Winnipeg next Saturday. All right. Thanks for having me. As Brock Sunderland, Eskimo's general manager, kind enough to check in tonight, Aaron Grimes back with the green and gold. That's going to help. A lot of guys have been asking about him. The Oilers, meanwhile, win 4 1 in Winnipeg. 780 496 0063 is the phone number. And we'll bring one of our regulars, Rocket, onto the show. Hey, Rocket.
1: Hey guys, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Uh, just wanted your opinion on another player, and um, uh, Chris Kelly. And then I also wanted your thoughts on, like, what you think. Like, how excited do you think guys like U.C. Okinen and 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 Strom, uh, possibly Kelly, and you know. How excited do you think they are coming to, like, a contending team, especially, like, UC and I mean, He looked awesome tonight.
4: Well, your first question was, Kelly, and now, I don't know, did you watch the game tonight? Well, oh, hang on. I missed the first ten minutes.
3: <laughs> well, well, you oh, missed you, the could, part the could, Jets dominated. Yeah,
4: so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, it, it, I, it, it wasn't, I, I don't think the game, we could see it as well as we normally would during the regular season. And I think it did a pretty good job on the computer and all that and on the screen, but it's not as easy to pick up. Having said no. that, I didn't really notice Kelly a lot today. I didn't. There were certain players that stood out that I thought were excellent in the game tonight, and you, you mentioned Jochen, and I thought it was terrific. I didn't notice Kelly. Now, he wasn't put in a role where you'd notice him as much. He wasn't playing with a Nugent Hopkins. He didn't have the advantage of playing with a couple of guys who are comfortable together, like Letesto and Cassian. So... I, I didn't notice him, so I can't really give him a, you know, a great grade in the game tonight. As for players like Strom and Jokinen, uh yeah, I think they're excited. It, it, the Oilers are an exciting team to be around. They're a young team. They're led by a superstar. They've got another star that's budding, too, in a dry uh, They're a team that, uh, you know, when, when they come to town, people are excited to see them play because they play a fun brand of hockey. I think that Jokinen is now and Strome, for that matter, are in a hockey market. You know, it's different going to the rink in Edmonton where you've got all the press waiting, there's people standing outside practices, there's people standing waiting when you come to games as opposed to in Long Island where they played in an arena that nobody cared. Or in Florida where there's a whole lot of other things to do than go to watch a hockey game. So to me, going to a Canadian city Going to a Canadian city that's got a young superstar leading them in a Canadian city that has a team on the rise, I think it would excite anybody right now in the National Hockey League to be part of the Edmonton Oilers organization. Oilers win it 4-1
3: over the Jets. Tony from Calgary texting in. He says, "I know Yamamoto is showing well in training camp, but fans have to pump the brakes. Let him go back to junior, get bigger and stronger, and star in the World Juniors." Well, Tony, that's a perfectly fair comment. I mean, obviously, Rob and I are doing a lot of speculation. I think our point is, though, if if, if he absolutely earns it, then then he earns it. Or if he makes it a tough decision, then then good for the kid. Ab- you know, but, I think right yeah, now, I, mean, I think what Tony is suggesting is remains a very likely scenario yeah
4: and i I agree and I think right now each time he steps on the ice he's trying to get one more day yep and if he gets that one more day maybe he'll do something special enough to get him another day and just keep going that way.
3: Uh, Duster says, I would send Yamamoto and Pugliarvi back down and pick up Yager for one year. I don't know <laughs> if he's coming here, but you'd get to reconnect with him, uh, Rob. Alex says, what do you think about Jujar Kara tonight? Then Alex adds, I thought he was fantastic.
4: And I agree. I thought it was a, a very, very strong game. You know, physically he w- was involved. He was good on the forecheck. He has a game that is suited to play with a, a, with a Cassian they can work the corners well together Uh, I mean the the hands on Cassian on the play that he made to set up uh, Jujar's goal uh, that is a a a wonderful play that you would see from a Nugent Hopkins or a McDavid and it was Cassian making the play across so no, I thought Jujar just continues to cement himself as a regular in the National Hockey League.
3: Goals in uh, two consecutive games obviously as well as the Oilers beat the Jets 4-1. Steve, you're going to be first up after the news. I don't want to cut you short. We haven't had a news and weather update uh, in a while. I think the weather might fall under bad news still for the next couple of days but we'll see what we have there. You can keep texting 63630. We also have a post-game interview with UC Yokenan Coming up. All ahead. Oilers win at it 4-1. It's Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center on Oilers Radio 630 Chad.
1: Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center.
3: This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. The Jets get an early power play goal from Nick Ehlers. The Oilers come back with two quick ones early in the second period from Latestu and Kara. Jokinen scores another one later in the second period. Yamamoto into an empty net. The Oilers take it 4-1. The goaltenders, Brassois, 13 saves on 14 shots. Nick Ellis, 20 saves. He stopped everything he saw. Oilers went 4-1. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, Canadian House, Overtime Open Line, Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Before we get to the phones and some more post-game reaction, quickly, Rob, Texter says, Seriously, though, why is Yager not an option for the Oilers? Is it because he doesn't want to come, or the Oilers don't see him as a good fit?
4: I'm going to say more a- a- as a fit here. I think if you're going to get Jarmer Yager, Jarmer's got to play on your power play. Well, he's not going to make your number one unit because that's the position he plays is what McDavid and said will do. And then your second unit, you got Nugent Hopkins, who would be play the exact same position that Yarmir would. Um, I think that the Oilers went and traded for Strom to play on their top line. They've got Kajula and Slepeshev battling to play on their second line, and you're not going to move Yarmir onto a third or fourth line. So I think simply the Oilers are good enough now that they don't want to... Take ice time away from players that they feel are going to be future players here. Bringing in a guy for a one-year fit. So I just don't think the Yarmir is needed right now with with the Edmonton Oilers.
3: Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We welcome Steve. Hi, Steve. Great, Rob. Welcome back, gentlemen. Good to talk to you.
1: I wanted to uh, thank you for bringing Tier One Radio back. I'm looking forward to your post-game broadcast this year. I also wanted to uh, confess that I'm one of the guys that have been uh, chirping for a year to dump uh, R&H's salary, and uh, i got to say that tonight and uh, in the previous uh, game, he's really showed some first-class leadership skills that I didn't anticipate from him.
4: Yeah, he has been good, you're right. I mean, it's still exhibition season. They need him to take another step forward come regular season, but yeah, he has been very good the last couple of games.
1: Yeah, and it's a it's a small sample size, but it looks like of the three that they had, um, you know, they, it looks like they've kept the right guy. It was a first class pass to the uh, to the to the small guy tonight, and um, I think it was uh, it was an excellent game. So, cheers! Have a good night.
3: Right on, thanks, Steve. We appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers win four one as we check the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. The Penguins beat the Red Wings 6-5 in overtime. Rangers beat the Devils 4-3 in overtime. I, I hope you're writing these down at home because I'm giving preseason scores <laughs> with the intensity of regular
4: season. <laughs> I, I love when, when. When do you get to the split squad ones? Because those yeah, are, the these are hard
3: big ones. I, I don't know what to say. The Flyers beat the Islanders 3-2 and the Flyers lost to the Islanders 3-2. That's, that's kind of bo- funny. That's
6: true. That's kind of funny.
3: Lightning over the Hurricanes 4-3, Capitals beat the Canadians, 4-2, Blues over the Blue Jackets 3-2 in overtime. The Canucks beat the Flames 5-3 in the second period. It's Coyotes 3, Ducks 1 and the Blue Jays lost 15-5 or something like that.
4: Well, I mean, the, it, <laughs> it it, they were only was 15-5, so they were just a touchdown and a and a field goal away from tying, so <laughs> oh, it was close. That's. They had an hour long second in. That, that, wasn't that, very that good. was
3: bad. They royal scored eight runs in the second inning.
4: <laughs> all on were, all batting, eight runs it off the over, one dude. I don't know if it was an hour. It was well Seemed over like half it.
3: an hour. But yeah. the the one pitcher gave up eight runs. Anderson. And then the other guy came in. I think was it Santos that came in. Yeah, uh, we were. I mean, we were. He not, limited like, the We're exactly enthralled by it, but <laughs> it was. <laughs>
4: I think it was on the TV. I think the one who they was it Kansas City they played. It was Kansas. I think I looked at the I think 92 guys batted for them tonight. (laughs) They play they call guys out of the stands to bat just to rest some players.
3: Uh, Before we go back to the phones, let's go back to Winnipeg. The first start tonight, goal and two assists. Here's UC Jokinen. You
7: guys miss McDavid or Drysaddle one bit on that power play. You would mark a nice easy goal. Yeah, there's uh, you know, I think this team is really deep on. uh, uh, on power play, players really, you know, uh, hard competition. Who can get that power play time? Obviously, that first unit was uh, was really good for the Oilers last year. But uh, you know, there's lots of uh, players who want to play power play. I played power play my whole uh, whole career, so obviously, I would like to be part of our playing the Oilers too. You, when you scored your goal, did you think you might not count that one? When it certainly went off the gate. Yeah, I've scored a few goals like that, so it's uh, a deflection, but obviously there's no uh, video ruling yeah. refs can go uh, upstairs on the uh, preseason games, so I didn't really know. It's kind of that happened so quick, So, but I think the ref made the right goal. Um, you missed a little bit when you were sore after the one day where you just did or what, what happened? Uh, uh, no, nothing. I'm, you know, I think that's 40. Yeah, like I know. Last year uh, I felt young. Like Jager was 11 years older than me, so I felt young. So now, first time being the oldest guy in the team, I still feel 34. I got last of years left, but no, no, that's. Uh, I think that's a question the coach. Yeah. If, if he wants to answer, about might be like feeling you just good. You're yeah. Um, what do you think your role will be on the? Uh, I don't know. That's uh, that's stuff to. Say. Uh, uh, I think that's another question that goes too. Like obviously I, I used to play big uh, minutes, used to play power play, used to play PK, so I think obviously the biggest thing is uh, what's best for the oilers and that's the coaching staff job to uh, make a decision what's what's my role, so whatever my role is, I'm gonna do it uh, as good as I can and try to help them and you work. Well thanks to Jim
3: Matheson for leading the way there. <laughs> <laughs> the audio from
7: edmontonoilers.com.
4: How about that comment? I was I'm 34 years old, I'm old, but there was a guy 11 years older than me on yeah. my team last year. So, so. he's
3: fine. <laughs> that was UC Jokinen looked very good tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. Power plays tonight. Oilers were 2 for 4, Jets were 1 for 5 couple of sl- well uh, three slashing penalties couple of interference I mean there was a too many men couple of holds a high stick I I didn't have a problem with any of the call if any I, I thought there was even a couple more interference penalties yeah. that could have been called
4: I, I thought it was refed more like you would see in a in a regular season game I thought the penalties that were called would should have been called and, and would have been called last year so okay. I, I think it was a much smarter refed hockey game and because of that, there were there was much more flow, and it was a, a, a way more entertaining game than we saw the other night here at Rogers.
3: And you made a great point about Kara's penalty that he got 4:45 in. That led to Winnipeg's only goal of the game. He put his stick across—was uh, it Bufflin's body? I can't remember. But he put his stick across Bufflin's body, and he kind of just brought it up and held it there. So it wasn't—they called it a slash, but he didn't swing, and he didn't really hook in terms of getting it in the body. But that's the type of thing where if they started calling that, where it's like, okay, technically you're not slashing or hooking, but you're in the wrong place. You're beaten, and mm-hmm. you're mov- you're using your stick to him. M- M- so M- if yeah. that start calling, they can call it whatever they want. On the puck carrier, slashing or hooking, but I I wouldn't mind if that was the type of penalty that added a couple power plays a game.
4: No, that's the penalty. Or they got it out of the game. I agree totally because he impeded the progress of the guy with the puck and he did it by using his stick in an illegal faction. It was uh, maybe a little lazy or a little... um, he went the wrong way. He didn't take the angle, and that's something they're going to show on video. Say, Jujar, if you would have angled the guy in the proper direction, you could have angled him towards one of our other players, which would have forced the puck carrier to get rid of the puck quicker. Instead, you went right at him, got caught flat-footed, and had to take a penalty. So a good learning moment that I'm sure that not only they'll show Jujar, but they will show the team, here's something that we've got to take out of our game.
3: Oilers win at 4-1. We have Terry on the open line. Terry, go ahead.
6: Reed, you guys are a welcome relief to autumn and winter. Thank God you're back. Thank you very much. <laughs> Listen, uh, I've got a couple of a couple of concerns before I start singing Happy Days are here again. <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to hear my voice singing that. That's pretty pathetic, but uh um when they threw uh, Fort Knox at Leon Dryside, I sat there and I thought, man, that's a pretty small sample size to give that kind of money to that fella. But if he's worth it, and if Connor McDavid, if both of those guys don't take a step back, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the kind of uh, preseason he's having, I mean, uh, are these people not cup favorites?
4: Well, I I think in Vegas they had them as Cup favorites at one place and in the the second in another one. So I I do believe that the Oilers are a team that continues to be on the rise. It's a team that many people are are impressed with. I think that from now until the Stanley Cup Finals, there's a lot of things that could go right. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. But I think that the Oilers under Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan have built a, a team that can play against anybody. They've built a team that is strong down the middle and very strong in net. And they've built a team around players that compete. So, yeah, if this team is healthy, then, I mean, I'm not saying this is a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup, but they uh, have to be considered an elite-type team. Now, they've got to continue going step forward, but what we saw last year, if that's the way this franchise is going, then I'm looking forward to an exciting season.
3: We got a text here from Brian who says, uh, hey, me and my buddy Peter are Red Sox fans, yet you not mention to them, Red Sox beat Baltimore 9-0. <laughs> not the most lopsided game tonight because the Blue Jays lost 15-5. Hey, Nugent Hopkins had a good game. You will hear from him. When we get back, Oilers win 4-1 in Winnipeg. Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line from the Osman Auction Center, the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center.
1: Now, from the Osman Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio,
2: Off The boards and down the ice, and Edmonton's gonna win this hockey game. Now
3: it's just a matter of whether it's gonna be 3-1 or 3-2. 20 seconds to play. Bufflin sent one down the middle, might have deflected off a skate, no icing.
2: Russell Picks it up, plays it left wing boards for Jokinen. Nugent Hopkins has the empty net. Skates
3: the center, dishes off. Yamamoto shoots and scores. Five point one on the clock, and Nugent Hopkins with an unselfish play. Yamamoto ice is a four-one victory for the Oilers in Winnipeg. Nugent Hopkins, one of his three assists. Here is R.N.H.
0: Rest of preseason play, is there a certain aspect of your game you're trying to work on going forward to build upon what was going on in Edmonton last season? Um, well, I mean, I kind of want to take strides in a lot of aspects of my game still, but um, I want my two- two-way game to be good, but I got to find a way to produce more and uh, chip in offensively uh, when I can. So I mean, not gonna be a huge risk taker, but um, at the same time, you got to pick and choose and uh, um, find those opportunities to make plays. Didn't need McDavid or Drysdale or any of those other the big guns.
7: <laughs> you know, our play time last year tonight. You didn't need them at all.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, obviously, uh, it was a good effort from us tonight. Uh, um, A lot of guys at home uh, for the game but I mean uh, the young guys stepped up and they weren't out of place or anything and uh, after that first period I thought we really uh, pushed back and uh, it was really good to see I mean um, from the older guys uh, all the way through to uh, the young guys so uh, definitely a promising sign. What do you see Jokinen's
7: role role being?
0: Uh, Well I mean I sure like I like playing with him. I mean, he's uh, he's such a smart player. I mean, obviously a lot of experience in this league, uh, a lot of years. So uh, he knows what to do out there. So I just got to uh, try to read off him. And um, I, I, I find we're almost a little bit similar uh, with the style that we play. So um, he's, he's a responsible player, but uh, definitely uh, knows how to um, <coughs> just looking at his point totals. I mean, he obviously can get it done offensively too. So um, he's going to be a good leader for us. Older veteran guys can help out a lot.
3: All right. That's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, three assists tonight. The Oilers win four-one over the Jets. He was asked about U.C. Jokinen. He had a goal and two assists. Mark Letestu on the score sheet again with one and one. Kara had a goal. Zach Cassian had an assist as well. The goaltending very good. Bressois, 13 saves on 14 shots. Ellis, 20 saves on 20 shots. Steve Mason goes the distance for the Jets. He stops 21 out of 24. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. So the Oilers now roll into three home games in four nights. You're looking at Vancouver on Friday. We'll see what type of a lineup they have. They're playing those games uh, overseas Jets then on Saturday night, Carolina on Monday night, all at Rogers Place, all on 6.30. Chet, um, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl, I don't know if they'll both be back in on on Friday, but certainly you'd you'd expect uh, one of them to play. I wonder, too, what they'll look at on... I should get to this, too, because someone texted about Ryan Stanton tonight. Mm -hmm. We had the pregame interview uh, with him. He's an interesting story. Was ready to go to the U of A to play hockey yes, when he was twenty. He's now twenty eight. He's played mostly in the AHL, but one hundred twenty games in the uh, in the NHL. O- Ov two, I thought was okay. I, I preferred Stanton and Griva's game tonight to Ov two.
4: Yeah, I think those two would be on my depth, depth chart would be ahead of uh, OV2 But Stan, he just he played a smart game, simple doesn't he's not going to be rushing the puck but he physically we saw a few times finishing this check and simple plays getting pucks into the forwards hands quickly so yeah a, a strong effort for him tonight but then again as we've heard it, it's a small sample size and every time you step on the ice if you're a guy that's on the bubble or a guy that's on the outside looking in you got to impress you can't afford to have an off night when you're one of those players because someone's going to jump ahead of you
3: all right quick predictions does Yamamoto play both Friday and Saturday?
4: Well, it's hard it depends on how many they cut because there are 3 games in 4 nights. Mm-hmm. And it depends how many players get sent down. For for me, we've seen it before it, here. Wasn't a dry settle a couple of years ago played every every game almost, game, yeah, except
3: for the two split scores. Yeah, yeah. so
4: and, and to me that's the way you got to do it. See if the, what these young kids can do because the NHL season is so Tough, and it's so hard to go back to back or three and four. You got to see what they're capable of doing, especially smaller player. Uh, so yeah, I would have him and Puliarvi in every possible game that you can play, and then decide what you think you need to do with them.
3: All right, Rob. We'll see you Friday night. Sounds good. Oilers fall behind early, didn't have a good first 10 minutes, controlled most of the game after that, and they beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-1. Get more on 630 chetcom Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to our studio producer this evening, the one and only Kellen Kennedy. So the next Oilers broadcast, Friday, home to Vancouver, 5.30 face-off show. The game will start at 7. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. On behalf of Rob Brown, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for tuning in. Talk to you soon.